This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Fair Oaks Mall Carnival is coming September 9th through the 18th. Free parking and the best rides in town. Ride the Ferris wheel, the Superman, the merry-go-round, or one of our great kitty rides. Try the delicious funnel cakes and carnival food or test your skill at one of the games. There is fun for the whole family. For information, amazing discounts, visit dreamlandamusements.com through September 8th. The Fair Oaks Mall Carnival, September 9th through the 18th. Don't miss it. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like X has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. Listen to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. West Ham are through to the fourth round of the FA Cup after a dogfight against Stockport on Monday night, but despite the win, not everyone seemed overly happy with the performance. Myself and X will be giving our thoughts on the game before giving you your weekly fix of transfer news and club activity and ending the show with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. That's all coming up on tonight's show. X a win on Monday, a clean sheet and a pass into the fourth round. But a number of fans still didn't seem very happy. Were you one of them? No, I was happy, mate. I mean, I, I guess happy is quite strong because happy as, assumes that we, you know, did battered them. I think we kind of did batter them in terms of the performance because we completely controlled the game. We just didn't score. You know, they were never really a threat. We had so many chances and possession, no real clear cut chances, but we should have been able to create more but at the end of the day the conditions were horrific you're playing a non-league team um so they're always up for it it's their cup final horrific conditions no we got through it we won many times in the past west ham have made a big issue out of these sorts of games um Mm. and so at the end of the day 
if you'd said to me it'd be a scrappy one they'll win at the start of it and i said fair enough i take it. it 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 kind of was that so i'll take it i'm i'm happy yeah same here i mean firstly i really enjoyed it I know a lot of people didn't, but I did. It reminded me of the good old days in the FA Cup. You know, yeah. the the yeah. stadium, the pitch, the weather, the massive difference between the sides in terms of league standings. It was brilliant. I loved yeah. it. And um, I knew and accepted very early on that it was going to be a tough game because they yeah. were up for it. They defended well. They chased us. They closed us down quickly. They made it difficult. I mean, in terms of ourselves, I was content with how we were playing, if I'm honest. Like you said, we was never really under threat. I thought we looked comfortable at the back and our central midfield was solid, especially Declan, who once again I thought was outstanding. Um, My issue really came in the final third, and I don't include Antonio in that because I don't think he had anything to work with, if I'm honest. I'm talking about the three attacking midfielders. I did think they were poor. Now, granted, the conditions were horrendous, so you can argue that it's difficult to beat players and take the ball forward at speed when the pitch is in that condition. But either way, they were poor. I mean, no final pass, lost possession too many times, not enough attempts on goal. And I think Skull's got it right in his punditry. They were dropping far too deep for the ball and they were giving themselves more work in the process. So it, it wasn't a great night for Lanzini, Benrahma or Yarmolenko, but credit to Moyes. He made a number of substitutions and two of them, was Suchek and Bowen, who I thought made a real difference. Yeah, and I think uh, he, I think he got the team spot on. If I'm honest, if you, even though he made a bit of a, a like we we didn't like get through easily, it was important to rest certain players, but also have the balance of players that would get you through. Like I think Bowen did need a rest. I think Cresswell did need a rest. I think he would have rested on Bonner as well had he not pulled out quite late on. Um, I think I would have liked to see Rice get a, have a rest, but obviously we don't have a huge amount of central midfielders. So I think he got it about right in terms of the balance between, you know, some regular first teamers and other fringe players. And I guess what was clever about the substitution was that Yarmolenka, Lanzi, Benrahma uh, didn't really do a huge amount but they wore down the opposition so that when, when Boeing came on, fresh pair of legs, you know, who's already mm. quite um, a challenge from the start of the game, let alone when he's got that extra like age of fitness on the opposition, I think it was a really clever move. And as I said at the start, all we needed to do for that game is to get through because even if we'd won 5-0, really, like Spurs did, I guess, really, no one looks at that and says, oh, well done, Spurs, you battered Marine 5-0. They expect you to have done that, right? Mm. No one really looks at West Ham and goes, oh, you, you're a load of shit, Moyes out because you only won 1-0. So mm. there's not, there's not, when you're away at a non-league team, there isn't a huge amount of difference between scraping through and battering them, really, because if you mm. batter them, you're expected to. So at the end of the day, the most important thing was to get the result, and we did that, and we're in the next round for the Cup. Um, and so, yeah, I have no complaints, really. We didn't and touch wood, because I haven't heard, and this will come in my section, but we didn't sustain any injuries as well. So mm. that's all the bonus, particularly when you go to um, grounds like that and conditions like that. So, yeah, on the whole, I think we just need to say we got the result, move on, go towards um, Burnley now, and let's see what we can do. Were you surprised to see Moyes field such a strong side? Because I was, and, and, and I've been the biggest advocate of playing a strong side 
in the cup competitions to give yourself the best chance of progressing in a tournament that we haven't won in fucking donkey's years. Um, but I was still quite surprised and to a point at the beginning of the game, a little bit disappointed that after a really busy Christmas period, we wasn't resting more players than we did. I mean, ultimately he was right to do what he did. And I was wrong because I think we needed that level of quality in the, in the side to, to win the game. But how did you feel about that when you first saw the team sheet? I'm a bit like you. I would have rather, like I said, Rice and possibly Antonio and Ogbonna not having to play. But the problem that Moyes had was that the, the academy players, which is the obvious people that you would bring in, are um, have all been in isolation for such a long period of time that they've not played under 23 games, let alone first team games. So none of them were really available. I mean, I think had he been fit, Connor Coventry would have played in that game instead of Declan, but he was injured. I think Duke would have played instead of Ogbonna, but Duke was injured. I think Balbuena would have played instead of Dawson, but Balbuena was injured. You know, Fredericks instead of Chafal. Fredericks was, well, not injured, isolating. Um, we've also, you know, sold... Snodgrass and Alaire and not replaced them yet. We've got rid of Wilshire this year. You know, mm. we've got we don't have much squad depth. I literally don't think, even if Moyes wanted to, he had no other option he had any other options. Because instead of playing Antonio, you'd have played uh Mippo um Omru Becky, is that his surname? Um <clears throat> but he's he's only just came back from injury and not played in the under twenty-three games. You know, like I said, you would have played Coventry instead of Noble. Uh, sorry, instead of Rice, maybe you would have played Nathan Holland, possibly, but he's barely barely played. So um, you know, Ashby's been injured even though he's available. Um the portrait the um, Danish defender only just joined us. So I, I don't think actually he had the options to. And that shows what a delicate position we're in. Because I think our squad isn't that in depth, particularly if the Academy players aren't available and all it takes is a COVID outbreak like you know Aston Villa had to field a of basically an academy side because of their COVID situation. If you end up with a COVID situation, it takes out 11 of your first team. West Ham's squad that they could field is going to be so inexperienced. And I think that's the problem. I don't think Moyes had the choice, mate. No, it does sound like his hands are tired. Um, but it is a concern because, as you say, we've got Burnley coming up on Saturday. And then just three days after that, we've got West Brom. And I do worry that with the squad pretty Fred Bear and a very solid start 11 playing against Stockport on Monday, how much petrol they've got in the tank for these upcoming games? Because they are big games. They're big games because they're winnable. And if they're winnable, we get those points. It just continues what's been a fantastic season. But I'm just worried that they're going to be lethargic going into the weekend. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I mean, the only thing as well, mate, which was, I guess, another positive from that game, which neither of us have said yet, is the fact it didn't go into extra time as well. Yeah, it was very, very close to doing that. So another half hour, because obviously, remember, there's no cut replays now. So another half an hour on top of what we'd already had in those conditions could have been awful. So thank God it wasn't. And yeah, I, I worry as well. But then we were talking about worrying about Everton in the league because they'd had a bigger time off than we had. And we went there and completely destroyed them. So, mm. you know, it's very, very hard to really say much. And if you talk to, you know, Wardy, like we have the privilege of doing, he, mm. he would be, he used to say he'd be happy to play every two days if he could. So I think mm. it sort of does depend on the players really. 
Well, it's funny, you're talking about that era, and uh, earlier on in the podcast, we spoke about the pitch, but then, and how difficult it is for players to, to take players on and progress with the ball in those conditions, but fucking hell, Alan Devins used to do that week in, week out in the winter, didn't he? I know, well, this is what you've got to think, mate, like, someone like Devonshire, you know, look at him if you look beyond West Ham, like George Best or someone like that, you think how good they were, and yeah. Drew- taking people on on those pitches where the ball wouldn't like roll a consistent like level because of all the different variations of waterlog and mud and bumps and stuff and yet they could dribble and take people on as well as they could imagine what they could do on the, the the surfaces that premier league footballers have now oh mate i know like, i know so- what would Devon should be worth now? I mean, honestly, oh. like you a Brooklyn, you know, you couldn't you couldn't put a, like a price on it comparatively. Now, I don't think George Best, you know, like those sorts of players would just be phenomenal in today's game. I think obviously the the one thing that they would have that modern players have is that they wouldn't have had the 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 like physical attributes because you know the likes of like well documented but like george best paul gascoigne um jimmy greaves uh, all of these players were like known frank mcaveney known to be uh, like completely on the piss um eating whatever they wanted (laughs) to and doing all sorts Mm. of stuff and they were able to get away with it because the majority of the players were, were similar you know so whilst physically the pitches would have massively helps them their lifestyles perhaps at the time wouldn't be if they'd uh, adjusted their lifestyles to modern football and can maintain the ability they had you know my word those players would have been phenomenal oh and that is the word isn't it phenomenal they really was it really was uh craig dawson got the winner a great header after a great cross from deck realistically is he playing his way into a longer term future at west Ham? Well, this is in my section, mate. I'm happy to reiterate it then. But in terms of my opinion, rather than my ITK knowledge, so to speak, my mm. opinion would be, yes, it's only three games. But if he can maintain this level, then we certainly need to sign him in the summer. Certainly. I would even be as tempted to say by the end of January. I don't know exactly how many games it is until the end of the transfer deadline, but it's probably going to be about transfer window. Sorry. It's probably going to be about four. I would guess four or five. Um, if if within those games he's played as well as he has been playing, I would say on the 31st of January or maybe even before, because it would enable us to get another domestic loan in, because obviously you're only allowed two and he counts as one and Ben Rama as the other. I'd almost be tempted to say, look, Watford, I think we've actually got a clause as well. I don't know how much it's for, but considering Watford bought him, I think for something like 5.4 million a couple of seasons ago and have been relegated in their championship side, that wouldn't play him I can't imagine it's more than about 2 million so for 2, 3 million let's say I think you've got it mate I mean I think he whilst he's quite old I mean he's what 28 is he 29 something like that I think he's still got a good 2 years in him and he is the centre back that we've been missing since Ginge you know that kind Mm, of mm. classic British throw your head in front of the ball you get stuck in towering in the air strong we haven't got a centre-back like that yes we've got very good centre-backs in the likes of Bonner and so on but that style of centre-back we don't have and that's why I think he would be a a really good signing because if you look at all the centre-backs we've got Bonner, Cresswell, uh, Baldwin, uh, Diop they're all variations of what a centre-back can be 
so mm-hmm. rather than all being the same type. So I think, I think, yeah, I can't see why you wouldn't. And as I said in the podcast before, the players love him. They think he's a brilliant character. He's a captain material. He's been captain of previous clubs. We've always said we haven't got enough leaders around the club. Mm. So to me, he ticks so many boxes that, as I said, come January, like the 26th, 27th, if he's still performing at that level, I, I would sign him. I wonder why he couldn't get a game at Watford. This is, I mean, certain... Like, because a lot of the fans are very re- hesitant, well, well, reluctant West Ham fans to sign him because Watford, like, oh, he's crap, he's rubbish, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, he'd been at West Brom and he was really highly rated at West Brom, got relegated with them, then Watford signed him because he'd done so well at Watford, uh, sorry, at West Brom, and then they got relegated. And I think maybe, you know, he just didn't fit the managers. I mean, with Watford, for example, they have a, a different manager every couple of weeks. So, like, and then they're usually foreign managers as well, which have a different preference to centre-backs that they like. I know they've had Nigel Pearson, but around him they've had loads of different forwards. So maybe he just didn't sit fit for the right club. If you're a if you're an Allaire fan, it's the same story with him at West Ham, isn't there? People say that he's an amazing player, he just wasn't right for West Ham. Or maybe yeah. And I also think I also think certain players play better with better players around them, if that makes mm. sense. So you're playing in a relegation side, which he was at Watford and West Brom, and he's got crap around him, then maybe it makes him crapper. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I understand what you mean. I think that's a very fair point about players around him can make him perform better. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I'm not sure about the, the Hilaire comparison or even a striker comparison, because with Hilaire, whether you agree with it or not, there is an argument to say he didn't fit the system, we didn't play to his strengths, etc., etc. Because obviously scoring goals is the hardest job on the pitch, make no mistake about it. But when you're talking about a centre-half, you can either play at centre-half or you can't. You're either a decent centre-half or you're not. And I think you look at him and he does look like a good player. And by the sounds of it, despite the relegations... He has been a standout for those clubs. I mean, you, you can't always judge a player on a relegation. Look at Fabianski, you know, one of the best keepers we've had for a long time, and he joined us from a relegated side. Um, yeah. But I just think, I mean, Watford in the Championship, yeah, but mate, you've, you've, got a, you've got a leader <coughs> there, a leader, a character, and someone who is a good centre-half by the looks of it. I just think it's a bit of a head-scratcher, to be honest, as to why they've let might, him go and why they're not prepared might. to pull him back. Yeah, it might be, mate, definitely. I mean, obviously, you've got to factor in wages. It's also going to be a problem for them because as mm. he was one of their big signings, I'd imagine his wages are, are pretty high. I don't know what they are at Watford, but I'd imagine they're pretty high. And when you're in the championship, having been relegated from the Premier League, you've got to cut costs. And True. I'd imagine he may be for that factor. But you, to go back to the Lair point, you say, you know, the striker's only as good maybe as the service is getting. But if you're a centre-back and you're playing alongside one, let's say in a system of four, I don't know what Watford play, but alongside another centre-back and that other centre-back's dreadful. If he's if he's getting done and turned and in the wrong positions all the time and making the wrong decisions and a complete liability, it's going to make you a liability as well. If I went and played now for West Ham, me at centre-back alongside Ogbonna, I could make Ogbonna look shit every day of the week. Yeah, maybe but I think... I think if you're a manager worth your salts, then you would realise what the problem is, wouldn't you? You'd realise that that you were the issue. You were the reason that Bonner was looking as bad as he is. 
Yeah, but if you've only got other bad defenders and no one else to pick, then we've got that choice. If you, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to know. And, and other players do that, though, don't they? I mean, Harry Redknapp, for example, made his career, particularly at West Ham, out of picking players up from clubs where their form or their stock had massively depreciated. I mean, mm. look at Trevor Sinclair. Trevor Sinclair was at QPR. He was was a famous quote. Harry told us, I think, when we did our interview with him, he said something like one manager, can't remember, said to him when he was signing um, Sinclair, why the hell are you signing him? He's got the biggest arse in football. And, yeah. like, and, then, and then he turned out to be one of our best signings. Another one of his great signings was De Canio, a person that was basically evicted from British football, and he turned out to be a, a West Ham legend. You know, you go through the players he signed, Neil Ruddock on his way out of Liverpool, Julian Dix for the second time, bombed out of Liverpool, Don Hutchinson, bombed out of Liverpool, um, you know, Igor Stimak at the end of his derby career, Hartson and Kitson, you know, the, you could go throughout Redknapp's um, career seeing, you know, even likes of Nigel Winterburn, you know, picked up at like Stuart Pearce, picked up right at the end of their careers. And I think sometimes just a change of scenery can really benefit a player and certain players just don't work at certain clubs. I would say Alea was one for us. Look at Fernando Torres. I know injuries were a factor of it, but amazing at Liverpool, world-class at Liverpool. Mm. Chelsea, and he suddenly becomes quite shit, you know, mm. and then, like Michael Owen, you know, again injuries are a factor in this, Robbie Fowler, there's so many players that have been absolute dons at certain clubs, there was like, you know, you look at Arsenal, for example, in the 90s, right, they had players winning championships and cups for them that were absolute dossers when they left, you look at like Ian Selly, David Hillier, Chris Kawongia, Chris Ray, um, but mm. Boa Morte, like uh, Diawara, like Stepanos, Lujny. Oh, you could go for literally hundreds of Arsenal's players. Um, and yet, when they were at Arsenal, fairly decent <laughs> players. So I yeah. think certain, certain clubs just suit certain players. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. You you pulled out some good examples there. Going back to Craig Dawson and, and his time at West Ham so far, I, I meant to ask you about this. Because I don't know if you've noticed it, and I've seen other people talk about this as well. Are going to say? He has randomly gone down a couple of times, yeah. hasn't he? And um, yeah, yeah. He, he did it against Southampton. He did it again on Monday night, both times without any real explanation. You don't know of any issue there, do you? I've asked. I've asked. So the first time he did it, I asked what had happened, and uh, an official in the club told me that. He's just out of match practice because he hasn't played for so long. If it was the Southampton game, you know, he's got himself psyched up for it. It's, uh, it's tough conditions. He's just, like, you know, dizzy because he's so exhausted. So that happened then. Then it happens again. I think it's maybe three times it's happened now, isn't it? And uh, I haven't been given a concrete explanation as to why that happens. As I said, he takes an energy tablet and he seems to be fine. So... I mean, without being any form of a doctor, you could speculate that maybe he suffers from, like, diabetes or something, mm. although I've not heard that he does, and I think you would know if he did. I remember, was it Gary Mabbott, I think, the ex-Tottenham defender? I think he famously suffered from that, and he kind of, like, knew about it, and, and so, so I think you would know, and I Googled it, and there's nothing on Google about him doing that. So the other thing is that he gets dehydrated, which... There's a bit of a random one. 
I, I, or it could be that he gets himself so like nervous it's a nervous thing I, I honestly don't know but it could be coincidental but it does seem a bit odd to have happened three times now yeah, this is strange how he just sort of goes down like a sack of shit and he's a he reminds me very much of you on the squash court and um i just thought it just looks a bit a bit odd uh could get me up around it fine because i'm i'm a borderline obese don't do any don't do don't do don't do any exercise so even walking up a flight of stairs that happens to me i'd, I'd like to i'd like to think that has nothing to do with everything oh, do you um would you like to have seen more of Odubeko? Um, was Moyes right to have played Antonio for the length of time that he did, given how delicate he is at West Ham? I I was that when I heard the team, um, which was actually I actually heard it quite early on the cup day. Um, if I when I heard it, I was like, fans are going to be shocked that Antonio is playing this much, and I was as well. Um, but it's, it ties back to what I said before, mate. He's been injured for a long period of time. He hasn't played none of the 23s game. He's only trained with the first team like once or twice. So it's very hard to throw in someone like that that's never played before. Um, if it had been different circumstances and you know, he'd been on the bench a few times maybe and he hadn't been injured and so on, then 100% I think he would have started from a personal point of view, I would have liked to have seen more from him because, you know, I still don't know if he's a good player or not. And obviously you can't judge him either way on the, on the one, two minutes that he got the other night. Um, but from what I've heard in the club, he seems to be a very good finisher, very highly rated, a little bit of question marks about his work ethic and his overall game, but his actual finishing is meant to be amazing. And so I think, that's okay. If you're a youngster like he is, you can work on the other side of his game and maybe a bit more maturity that will come. But the finishing is the natural instinct that you want um, a striker to have. So I'd be very, very interested to see what he's like. And, you know, it would be I, we've, 100%. We've got to sign a new striker, 100%. Like, like without fail, we need at least one new striker, possibly two. But I don't think you need more than that because if this player is as good as what I'm hearing, if you sign two more forwards, that gives you a, a, a squad of four, essentially, you know, with Antonio, two new guys and this fella. And I think that's what you need. I think you need someone like Antonio that's established. I think you need your top, top, some new signing that is arguably the number one forward because Antonio technically isn't a forward. I think you need a player that's a slightly different style trying to prove himself. So maybe a championship player or someone like Suchek from a, a foreign league that's not established and then you need a youngster. So it's mm. like, you know, trying to make his way in the game is fresh, is raw, you know, unpredictable. And I think when you're looking at a four squad of forwards, which is what I think all squads need, I think Odu, Odu Beko is should be fourth choice, and we just need to get two more. Mm, it does sound very exciting. Who was it that got him to West Ham X? Do you know? Um, it would have been the uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Ricky Martin, the academy the director, and Brad Farmer as the head of recruitment. So there'd been a combination of those two. But the story of him is that he was obviously in the same. Man United Academy team as um, Mason Greenwood. Now, yeah. 
despite having off-the-field issues. Mason Greenwood, in my opinion, is one of the best talents I've seen in a long while. Um, you know, I would like it in terms of forward talents from from England. You know, you've got to look at, from what I can remember, at the same age, someone like Michael Owen. I mean, obviously, Harry Kane's amazing, but he was a bit of a late developer and had loan spells and stuff. Rashford has done really well, but that kind of raw explosiveness, great finisher, Greenwood is is phenomenal. So to be, and I remember people telling me that the academy people were not sure which one they preferred out the two of them so to even be comparable to Greenwood is is a massive compliment and credit to the fella you know he left Manchester United had loads of big clubs interested in him and chose to come to West Ham because he felt that he'd get more opportunity here Um, and if that is his thought process then maybe Moyes and um, other people, or the chairman or the academy people, have made it clear to him that they do see him as challenging for the first time, the first team in the near future. Um, and that's why he chose us over other clubs. So I do think that they do highly rate him. So it's just for me, there's always an element of scepticism when it comes to academy forwards. You know, I, everyone knows through listening to podcasts for how many years we've been doing them now, I love academy players to come through. I've got quite mm. strong links to the academy. So I know what's going on there. I know, you know, lots of players that came through the academies and so on. So I've got a real interest in the academy. Um, but I'm always sceptical about forwards because, you know, we've had Elliot, like ever since I can remember, we've had forwards that scored Sears, Elliot Lee, Martinez, although credit to Martinez, uh, that's another uh, Dave Hunt player. He's proven that West Ham were wrong to release him because he's, uh, you know, playing for Porto now. So, um, and, um, you know, I'm always a bit sceptical of these forwards. So uh, I think, I do think he's going to make it. But there's just a part of me not getting too carried away at the moment. Mm, he's certainly one to watch, though, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm sure you'll agree that Doncaster at home in the fourth round is a good draw for us. Yeah. Um, very shortly after that, they then announced the opponents for the fifth round, which wasn't as attractive, and I'm sure you'll agree with that. Oh. Uh, did you did you like the process? Did you like seeing that far ahead in the competition? No, no. No. Not at all, because now that Doncaster game um, has given... Uh, me the dilemma in the sense now I know what my answer is to it but it has created a dilemma of do we even bother to put a proper team out against them because realistically if we put on a strong team knock out Doncaster um, and then play Man United or Liverpool which we're likely to lose we've tired out players for a game that in a, in a sense is pointless but that's a very, very defeatist attitude and you're never going to win the cup unless you beat the best teams at some point. So I, I don't agree with putting a weak team out against Doncaster. However, it has made that dilemma and even the win against Doncaster, if we if we get it, fans are going to be like, well, yeah, that's great. But you know, now we've got Man United or Liverpool and it kind of takes away that edge and also it takes away the excitement you know the cup draws are really exciting when you've got into the next round you know so you mm. don't want to hear two or three games in advance who you're going to play yeah i agree i didn't like it either 
I didn't like it either. Um, They've done it before. Do you remember when we played? I don't know what happened, but do you remember when we played Man United and we beat them when Decadio scored the winner? Yeah. yeah. We knew we were playing Sunderland the minute we got out of that game. So I remember I was at that game and I was walking and I went on the coaches. I think the club put on three coaches to that game or something. So I went on the coaches to that game and I remember getting on the coach and the fans saying, oh, we got Sunderland next round. As it turns out, we beat them. But I remember mm. thinking, Time Sunderland away, geez, that's an even that's just as that's another hard tie, and that almost taking a bit of the edge off the man you win. So, yeah, I don't like it at all. Yeah, I know, I know. Like I say, it's not for me at all. Um, you just want to get past the next round, don't you? And then, and then you want the excitement of after you've you've grafted to get through that round. How are you going to get? What's the reward going to be? Well, they did it in the World Cup, mate, didn't they? Like you, you knew that if England finished in either first or second in their group or whatever, they knew that if they did that, they would miss these teams out and their route would be this team, this team, this team, which is why people argue England getting to the semi-finals of the World Cup um, last time was a, is a false like achievement because we yeah. had weaker teams until we played someone decent like Croatia and then they beat us. Whereas had we gone the other side of the draw, we'd have been playing you know, some of the best teams in the world and we probably would have got out sooner. So it's that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Um, I think they're only doing it because of the COVID scenario, aren't they? So they yeah, can plan so. ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I don't think it's the future. But yeah, as it stands for now, I, I'm not a fan at all. No. Not a fan at all. I, I know what you're saying about the excitement being taken out of the Doncaster draw because it's either Man United or Liverpool. So then you've got the dilemma of what do you do? Do you risk injuries, especially with the squad being the way it is and potentially harm what is a very good season for us in the league. But I, I can't sit here and say that I agree with that after moaning year after year after year that I'm desperate for a good cup run. I would I would rather take the risk and and hope for a result on the day. Oh, yeah, to progress definitely. through to the next round. I, I, I think you've got to. You've got to have a crack at it. These competitions 100%. are there to be won, and uh, yeah. I think you've got to do it. Well, at the end of the day, Liverpool and Man United, one of them's going to be out by the time we play yeah. the other um, mm. and so and then if we was to win the one we get that's two of the best teams out of the cup so yeah. after that you know and if 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 I don't know who's still left I didn't pay much attention to the, the rest of the draw but you know let's say Man City draw Tottenham and Chelsea draw I don't know uh, Leicester for example then if we get through that we you know there's less teams to to beat so you've got to you've got to beat the best teams to win it um, so at the end of the day, yes, I'd rather have got a clean run to the final and then played a big team in the final, maybe. But at the end of the day, if you're going to win it, you've got to beat the best teams. In 1980, West Ham were a, uh, a second division team, like you mm. know, or equivalent championship team, and we won the cup and we beat Arsenal in the final. You know, um, we beat Everton in the semis, uh, 75, we beat Arsenal and stuff. So you've got to be the best teams to win it. So whilst it's, I don't like it, you still need to go and try and win that game. Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. For those who don't know, the firework display that stopped the game on the 15th minute against Stockport was in support for a 15-year-old boy called Kia Wirehead, who, um, who has basically been in critical condition after being hit by a police car on Boxing Day. So, of course, we all hope he makes a full recovery. Uh, X, since our last podcast, we've lost Hilaire and Snodgrass. 
How did you feel about those departures? I'm, I could guess what you're going to say about one of them. <laughs> Complete opposite ends of the spectrum. We're both, right, not, let, let's, where do I start? Do I start with the negative or the positive? Let, let's start with the negative and end on a high, right? I am so fucking glad to see the back of an air. I'm telling you, right? This is going to make me. This is make me enjoy supporting West Ham that little bit much more. And this is nothing personal to Alaire, right? Nothing personal. Yes, I don't think he was good enough for West Ham. And well, I don't know if good enough's the right word, but certainly not right for West Ham. Yeah, I said that from day dot. I, I said the minute we signed him, from what I'd heard, he wouldn't work at West Ham. You asked me who's going to be the biggest disappointment that season. I said it a week or so after signing him to you off air. Because I didn't say it on air, um, but I said it to you. You can vouch for that. I pretty you much, said, I pretty much said it on the radio, but then didn't say it and went with someone else. I everyone told me this was going to happen, and they were right. And then from what I saw, my own judgments by about January time, December January time of his first season, I was convinced this guy was not right for us. And you and I would argue about it on the show. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And this went on forever and ever and ever. The it got to the point where it was actually not worth mentioning his name. So when I did tweets and stuff, whether he played well or not, I deliberately didn't say his name because I knew you'd even if you said he played well, you'd get the people that said he was shit on you, and if you said he played shit, you get the people that said he played well on you. I tried to judge him on a game-to-game basis and not let any opinions prior continue on to it. He just didn't work for West Ham. He didn't hold the ball up well enough for your one man up front. He wasn't a a, a physical enough presence. He didn't run enough for the system. Yes, people would tell me he's not that type of player. Fair enough. That's not his fault. But whatever the case, he just didn't work for West Ham. And I can't look beyond the fact we paid £45 for him. Right, that again is not his fault. I know that's not his fault. He didn't set the price tag. But that comes with an expectation that he is going to be better than he was. I am so glad that hopefully after this podcast, we never have to mention that man's name again. It will be like a breath of fresh air. Although, even though he's left, on, on he scored for Ajax. No, he set one up, didn't he? One was disallowed and he scored for Ajax at the weekend. I still have people tweeting me. There you go. He's proved that he can score. Uh, we shouldn't have sold him. He's amazing. You were wrong. He didn't even score. It was off. It was disallowed. He set one up. I'm sorry, right? He's in the Dutch League. Yeah, the Dutch League. Yes, Ajax are a great team throughout history. They're one of the best European teams. They got to the Champions League semi-final. I think last year, yes, they are a great team, but they are that much better than all of the opposition. Yes, final and PSV and semi-decent, but Ajax are the team. Also, it doesn't matter. You've had forwards that have banged them in in Holland and then came to England and be shit. I give you Marco Boogers, okay? But there are other <laughs> examples of that. There are Kesman, who came to Chelsea, almost had a goal every game ratio before he came to Chelsea, couldn't hit a fucking barn door in, in England. And there are many, many examples. There are players that score shitloads in England that can't do it abroad, score shitloads in Germany, can't do it in France. It's, uh, but... It doesn't matter if he scores lots of goals in Holland. He couldn't do it in England. That is why no other English club went in for him. And that is why he probably will never play in England again. Good luck to him. I hope he does brilliantly. I hope he scores lots of goals. Or by all accounts, he's a really nice fella. 
great lad. So good luck to him. I hope he has a great career, but he wasn't right for West Ham. And that is factual. So do you rate him or do you not? <laughs> I don't rate him for West Ham. That's the, that, that, is the, that is the light. And I honestly am so relieved that I never have to talk about him again, really. <laughs> well this is probably going to be the last time you ever do in all fairness so no, i hope so i hate it i hear his name in my sleep <laughs> he haunts me. He haunting i know, I know. yeah no I'd, mate, I'd, I'd totally understand i totally understand because you have been through the meal when it's been a bizarre scenario for you especially really with um the hell air cult as you call them and you know, the people mate, that... The other day, like when he scored that goal against Crystal Palace, right? Like <laughs> I said a million times, an amazing goal, great technique. Not many forwards could do that. Amazing, brilliant goal. Well done, okay? I had so many people, so many. Honestly, we're talking hundreds. Messes me. X, ha, fucking shut up. You were wrong. Uh, gutted. He's uh, told you. Hello, uh, shutting X up. Uh, well, you don't know nothing about football. He's proven you wrong. And I was like, I tweeted back. It's one goal. It's one goal. And they wouldn't buy it. So I tried that message by saying, if Sheffield United score an amazing goal tomorrow, does that mean that they're suddenly the best Premier League team there is? And I even got I got racist abuse in that one. Racist abuse. Oh, sorry, I got I got anti-Semitic abuse. But in that one, I had some guy. I mean. I don't want to give the guy the credit he kind of wants because he's well known and um, he's been at me on on this platform for years and years and years. But uh, and I, I wish he just like move on and occupy himself with something else. So and he's not even one of the young trolls as well. He's not even one of the ones that are going through puberty. He's one of the ones that have actually got <laughs> like as far as I can tell, gone through puberty. And he and he and he's like you know he's like sending me anti-Semitic abuse. I'm not even Jewish. You know, people were like starting to get like not that that defend like defends it at all because I'm very very anti that sort of thing. I'm most one of the most political correct people you could meet, and I treat everyone as I expect to be treated myself. But that was the sort of levels of abuse I was getting just for trying to point that out. And I I don't know what it was about Alain, mate. Honestly, it was such a strange chapter in West Ham history. I think it, I honestly put it down to the fact that he was good on Football Manager, good on FIFA, good in Germany. So people just thought we'd signed a world class player when they and they refused to accept to be beaten on that. They they just refused to say and like when we'd signed him, people would probably say, oh, he's world class. We've done so well, and didn't want to admit that he wasn't right for West Ham. And um, I'm sorry, I've lost the plot a little bit with this, but like, but um, I think I think it's just. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad that that chapter is closed. And as I a million percent say, it's not personal to Alaire. I want him to do well. I really, really do. But it is so weird. If he was honestly called Steve Harris and we'd signed him from, I don't know, Exeter City for 1.5 million, no one would have been saying what they were saying about him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, I've got to say, and you touched on it there, we, we did kind of have that debate early on as to whether he was good enough or not. And I was certainly one of those people that believed he was and was going to be good enough. Uh, I still, to this day, maintain that I think he's got qualities. He does have qualities. Yeah, but, he, has, but, 
He's not a shit player. He's not. He's no. okay. He's technically all right. He's brought. He's a decent player. He's just not right for West Ham system, West Ham, and the Premier League. Yeah, but this is it. You hit now on the head because not I was going to say enough. no. It's it's not just West Ham. It is the Premier. League league and he's just not made for it it's as simple as that and that became apparent and you know even though he was getting the odd goal it was still consistently the same level of performance with his 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 output and his energy and he's like the hold-up player that I I credited him for once you know I've I've seen him do some good link-up stuff but he wasn't doing it enough and I don't know if he's because his mind was elsewhere, he'd lack confidence, or just because he didn't give a shit, or maybe a combination of the three, I don't know, but the bottom the line is, thing. he has gone now. Yeah, I mean, the other thing Sorry. is, he's talking about, he knew that Ajax were interested for months, um, so mm-hmm. was he playing like that on purpose? That's the other argument, you know, was it? Was he not running around, applying himself, getting stuck in, being physical? People say he's not that type of player, but was he not that type of player because he didn't want to be that type of player? I'm... I, I am not a professional footballer. I am no good at football, but if I wanted to, I could at least try and get stuck into a centre back. I could at least run. Yeah, mm. and even if the ball came to me, I would be. I might fuck it up. I will fuck it up, but I could at least run and put a challenge in. He wasn't doing that, and I think maybe you know again, if it had been any other player, and they turned around when they left West Ham and said, "Oh yeah, I've known about their interest for months. We've been in touch. I was looking forward to the move." Blah 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 blah. blah. Yes, people would say Moyes had already made it clear he didn't rate him. He didn't. But if that was me, I'd want to prove Moyes wrong. I want to say, yeah, I am a good player. Watch, and I'd put my heart and soul into every game. I wouldn't think, oh, it's all right. In two months, three months' time, I'll join Ajax. And even then, people were excusing him. I've never known anything like it, mate. Honestly, in the 30-odd years I've been a West Ham fan, I've never known a player to be excused like that. You know, even players that have been heroes, but then have gone a little bit off, like Ludo, he used to get loads of stick towards the end of his career when when he'd kind of lost it a little bit after he got knocked out that time. Ian Bishop. He used to get a load of stick towards the end of his West Ham career when he started to lose a bit of what he had. You know, these players were legends, like not legends, but icons, and they were getting stick. He's not that, and he was getting defended by all sorts. Anyway, I, I feel like I'm going to burst a blood vessel. We should, uh, <laughs> we should, we should, pro- we should pro- probably move on to more positive story of Robert Snodgrass. <laughs> and I, I apologise to people that like a fair six step for me hearing it, uh, but you've got to understand it's a little bit why I do the the eyes, the thumbs up, and the crossed irons, or I like do the bit of self-appreciation with transfer news and stuff because I have to take so much shit at times and I understand that it's because of what I do and you know because of the followers I've got and so on and yes I can stoke the odd fire at times deliberately at times as well but I have to put up with so much shit sometimes and sometimes it's hard not to bite back and so this is the platform where I don't have to hear what people are saying to me right now. It's just me and you, as far as I'm concerned. So oh, that's the beauty of this podcast, I think, is that I don't ever think that there's people listening to me. I feel like it's me and you in the pub, and I hope that comes across mm. to the viewers. So at the moment, listeners, sorry, I can just say what I like. But Snodgrass, right, I was absolutely gutted, pleased for him, because he wasn't performing. He wasn't getting t- a chance to play at West Ham. He played three or four minutes at West Ham um, in the league, I think. Um, but... 
an absolutely lovely fella. Like honestly, like I, in terms of players at West Ham, I, I, there's there's many that we've got to know over the years. I'm not saying we're best mates with Snodgrass, but we got to know him a little bit. He came on the podcast and I chat. You know, he followed both of us on um on Twitter. We both had his number, so we'd exchange texts with him and stuff. Um, I told you the story, like when my son was born, like, I'd, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'll say it because I, I feel like he deserves the credit. You know, my son was born. I tweeted it because I was over the moon. You know, I got two daughters. I love them to bits. Don't get me wrong, but they'd always been a part of it. One's in my son and my son was born. And I don't like to share too much about me as a person that much on Twitter. I do it now on this podcast, but not on Twitter, but I couldn't help it. So I was like, oh yeah, delighted. My son was born. And very touchingly, I got a lot of like nice messages suddenly in my DMs obviously you followed me before them was a message from him and it just said something like congratulations mate uh, heard you, I saw that you had a, a new like a baby boy um, you know asked me a few questions what's his age blah blah blah, blah. like not what's his age he's been just born what's his what's his weight what's his uh, what's his uh, you know all the sort of standard questions um, and then he and, he and I just said oh, you know all answered them and he just said uh, yeah mate do you want um, the match worn shirt um, from the last game um, just to to welcome him in the world, you can put it up in his room or something. I didn't even ask for that. He did that, like just because he was a good bloke. As it turned out, so so my son's luck. It was the shirt he scored against Crystal Palace in, I think, the one where Andy Carroll also scored that goal. I think it was that game. He certainly was the one he scored against Crystal Palace in. So it's quite an iconic shirt. So I was actually incredibly lucky. But that's just one example, you know. Another tweet I did um, was about a man that had been an old man that had had his house broken into at Boxing Day or Christmas or something and lost all of his possessions. I tweeted about people donating. Someone sent me a screenshot that he'd donated 500 quid, I think it was, or 1,000 quid. Didn't tweet about it or anything. Then looked like when we had him on the podcast, he'd done that auction, hadn't he, for Isla and raised all that money for yeah. for her. And, and, and like the fans loved him. You know, Bearing in mind, the chairman said the sons begged him not to sign him. And then we shipped him out to Aston Villa immediately and basically slagged him off for a season. Um, came back. He knew what playing for West Ham was about. He's a top, top bloke. The players loved him. Gutted to see him go. I wish him all the best in his career. I hope we'll be able to get him on the podcast again soon. Although he did tell me disappointingly that he thinks he should probably wait so he's retired. Unfortunately, I don't know if you got that response, but yeah. I think I, I think you summed it up perfectly in the tweet that you put about him. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry to be hogging the the That's microphone fine. a little bit at the moment, but uh, yeah, just a just a real diamond fella, and it's a it's a sad end. So he's not sad end because he needed to move on, but it's sad that he's gone and yeah I wish him all the best I've spoke to him since he's been at West Brom just dropped him a message said how's it all going I hope you're settling in well mate gonna put you in my fancy team because the set pieces for for Allardyce and stuff um, and uh, <laughs> not, that, not that you can now do that by the way um, and, uh, oh and, fuck uh, yeah. mate can I have a missed the boat on that have I <laughs> you have yeah and, uh, not that I would have anyway but yeah no, but and uh, yeah he's um, yeah just a lovely fellow I wish him all the best yeah it's hard to add to that, mate, and you're quite right. I, I tweeted in the week when um, when I heard it was moving on, and I, I just said Snoddy respected this club, even when at times the club didn't respect him, which is what yeah, you touched on. A big, yeah, big character, always gave 100% when he wore the shirt. I miss him at West Ham, but wish him all the best, and thanks for the service. And, you know, that's my pennies worth, really, because you're quite right. He's just a fantastic fella, <coughs> uh, a great energy about him, brilliant in the dressing room. I'm sure the boys are going to miss him. 
and uh, and it's a real shame. I do think it's the right thing for both parties, if I'm honest, yeah. at this point yeah. in his career. Um, but but sad, he'll be remembered fondly by West Ham fans, that's for sure. I think it's a little bit odd that he asked you for the weight of your baby, but other than that, he's sound as a pound. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I don't even know if he did ask me that. To be honest, to be fair, I don't think he probably did. Uh, I was just, but like it was the sort of you know the standard questions you get when a baby's born, that sort of thing. But uh, but I don't think he did ask that. In fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't ask me the standard question. I think he just said, "Is the baby all right?" or something like that. But, like, but yeah, I didn't think. I didn't think. He asked that. <laughs> I, I, so he said, you know what? I wouldn't even know what the answer was either. So, <laughs> so it would have been a, would have been a pretty shitty conversation. <laughs> well, that covers those who have gone. So let's hear about those who could potentially be coming in. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. I never, ever thought I would open a business for myself. And then I had a baby. Meet Patrice Mousseau, founder of Satya Organics, a skincare company created for people with skin issues, powered by Shopify. When Esme was about eight months old, she developed eczema. The doctor's only option to me was steroid creams. I just started experimenting in my kitchen crockpot. I actually found something that cleared her eczema up in two days. After about a year or so of just selling it out of my kitchen window, I decided to make a business out of it. Shopify templates are fantastic, and their customer service is absolutely stellar. You can buy Satya online, you can buy it in stores, you can buy it in our social channels, and that's all made possible by Shopify. When you're ready to share your business with the world, grow it on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform trusted by millions of businesses like Satya. Get a free 14-day trial at shopify.com slash free22 and start selling wherever your customers are with easy-to-use tools and friendly 24-7 support. Go to shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Switching and saving with Geico is easy, so you're free to ponder life's big questions. Like, why do people say it goes without saying and then say it anyway? I mean, if it really goes without saying, you should instead not say it and just give a knowing look? Well, folks, it goes without saying. Uh, what does? The thing that I'm not going to say. Okay. Switch and save with Geico. It's easier than you think. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.